The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. For some, it's kind of hard to introduce yourself. That's a hard exercise. But here's what we believe at Crossroads Church. We believe that, that we are church family, and we take that seriously. We, we see that Sunday morning should feel not as much like going to the theater as it does to like going to family dinner. Now, I get it at your family dinners. There's not usually a stage, and the only people that talk have microphones. But we also believe that Sunday morning isn't the only expression of the church. That's why we really, really like think that you should try one of our house churches where you can get to know one another. It's really, really important. Or why you should join us on, on, Sunday, on, on Wednesday nights for, for prayer and worship because we get to connect together. But we believe that the secret sauce of the Christian life is relationships and community. It's where the real life happens. I, you know, one thing that I've noticed, and you've probably noticed this too, is that people today, are, fewer and fewer people have people. You know what I'm talking about? And, and it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of sad because I think life is found in relationships, isn't it? You know, one of the, there's a question that, honestly, I, I, I learned it from Beth, and now we, together we do this. Um, there's a question that we ask when we're getting to know people. And the question is simply this. What do you like to do for fun? And we've been asking this for, I mean, since we've been married for decades. And, and I think when we first started asking it, say 20 years ago, um, it was, we got different answers than we, got to, than we get today. And part of it was life stage, right? We're in early 20s. And you ask, what do you like to do for fun? And you get all kinds of answers. We like to go here and do that and uh, all these activities and go to the movies. Or, or then sometimes you're like, ah, I, you know, I, I like to um, uh, just, I don't know, nothing, hang out with friends. But now, 20 years later, I find the answers are a little bit different. And maybe part of it is that we're not in our early 20s anymore. Maybe. Part of it is that just the, the culture of society has changed a little bit. It's a weird question these days. Like I ask it genuinely just to like for, you know, we ask for just conversation starter. Just to let me talk about you and learn about you. But it, I'm starting to think it might be a question that I could start asking to introduce counseling sessions. Because, because this is what happens like over and over. It's weird how often this happens. And maybe I've done this to you. Uh, sorry, I guess, if I did, but uh, if I made you feel uncomfortable. But this is what happens. We ask the question, what do you like to do for fun? And it's just us and somebody else, another couple, another individual. And, and it's always this, usually this response like, uh, uh, I, I. and it's weird. And it's not just like, oh, I asked you a hard math question and you're stumped. No, no. It's, it's like this, like, I need to have an answer right now. But I can't think of what I do for fun. And, 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 and there's this like, like, almost this realization, like, I'm a fun person. Why don't I have an answer? I can't actually say that I just watch Netflix every day. <laughs> but all I do is watch Netflix every day. And, and I think there's this, like, it, it's, I'm telling you, try it. It's interesting. When you're getting to know somebody. Um, there's this realization that, like, 
I, I stopped trying to have fun a long time ago. And listen, I, don't, I personally don't think fun is for children. I, 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 think, I think we're missing something. I actually heard one of the saddest answers to that question just recently. Uh, we asked a question, actually Beth asked a question, this person, and the response, again, the same, the same face, like, uh, this is a test. I said, I, I don't know, I guess the same thing everybody does, sit on our phones while we're pretending to watch TV. And I thought, shoot. That's sad on so many different levels. For one, TV is the noble thing that we're ignoring. <laughs> uh, and two, that it was just a really direct statement, like it's the same thing that everybody does. And listen, this isn't a like, bash technology sermon. Okay, that's not, what I'm, that's not what I'm after. But I think God has more for you than that. No. That's wrong, sorry. I am fully confident that God has more for us than that. Maybe your story is not one of Netflix and television and, and iPhoning. But often, I, I, I feel these days this growing dissatisfaction with life. And I really think it's tied to the fact that people can't answer what they do for fun anymore. Because most people, once upon a time, would answer that question in relation to community, right? And now it's like we don't actually do fun things, we just waste our time because I worked so hard during the day, I need the, you know, the, <laughs> the rejuvenation of losing my evening in my cell phone or, you know, how that always brings you life. And we just go like, wait a second. God has more for us, friends. He has so much more. I want to talk today about three different kinds of people. Because I believe, I believe Easter is a reminder that Christ came that we too would be fully alive. Anybody else just ready to reject the life of just like getting by? Anybody else ready to just be like, no, 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 I want more than just existence? See, I wanna, I wanna look at three different types of people in the context of our Easter story. And, and uh, in fact, today, because I believe this so much, I asked a question um, at our, our prayer and worship service on Wednesday night, and I just asked, hey, can, can you guys, let's just have a time of reflecting. What, is, what does a life with Christ mean for you? And so throughout, throughout the morning, we're gonna, I'm gonna be sharing some stories, some, some just insights from some people who are like, you know what, I'm living my life and I'm fully alive. Because I believe that there's, there's, there's so much of this just like, blah, of life all around us that we get this mindset 
like this person that we talked to this week, we get this mindset like, well, this is just what everybody, this is just what life is. It's just kind of like, another day. Man, God's mercies are new every morning. He invites us to something that ought to energize our every day. But sometimes we settle for so much less. And I believe it's tied to the story around the empty grave. So let's take a look. Hey, the first kind of people I want to talk about, we're talking about three different kinds of people. The first kind of people I want to talk about are Palm Sunday people, okay? We're going to talk about Palm Sunday people. You guys know what Palm Sunday, the other day, or last week, Palm Sunday, uh, I asked uh, my youngest, she's four, Faye, I said she, she came out of her, her kid's class carrying like a colored palm branch. She said, oh, did you make that in class today? Yeah, I made it in class. I said, what's, what's today? What, what is today called? She said, um... Sunday Palm Branch Day? (laughs) I like that. Sunday Palm Branch Day. It was close. It was close. Palm Sunday is the day that Jesus, a week before he went to the cross, less than a week before he went to the cross, he rides into Jerusalem. The whole city, essentially the whole country, goes berserk, worshiping God. Right? This, this whole crowd of people are cheering for Jesus. The Messiah is here. The Messiah is here. They're, they're waving their palm branches. They're laying their coats down so that his, the donkey can, can ride down on the road. They're all excited. And they're cheering for Jesus. But here's, here's the thing. What we find out just five days later, what we find out is that there wasn't a lot of substance to their excitement, right? There wasn't a lot of substance to their excitement. One moment, the whole place is cheering, and as soon as things got hard, they're done. And there's a lot of Palm Sunday people in the world who, like those first Palm Sunday people, they weren't, I mean, they were cheering for Jesus, but truthfully, They were cheering for a better life because Jesus was the answer to their political problems. See, they were under the rule of Rome and and a Messiah meant that that this king is going to come and throw out Rome and and, and right all the wrongs. That they were going to fix, that he was going to fix their problems. So Jesus shows up and and this this internalized thing of like, hey, Jesus is going to make life better. Jesus is going to give me everything that this world has to offer. Well, a dead Jesus can't really do that. So they out. Here's the deal. There are, good, there are Palm Sunday people all over the place. They come in all shapes and sizes. Some Palm Sunday people go to church every single week, excited that just maybe Jesus is going to give me everything this world has to offer. There's some Palm Sunday people who go to church on Christmas and Easter. Hey, yeah, this is kind of this Jesus stuff. That's cool. That's cool. Maybe you're, maybe you're one of those. Hey, no judgment. But like, you're just like, Jesus is all right. And, 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 I, and I hear that maybe he can make life better. Okay, that's cool. 
There's some Palm Sunday people who don't go to church at all or some that attend off and on, the once a month or type. They're, they're, they come in all shapes and sizes as, as it relates to church. But the consistency of, good, of, of, I'm sorry, of Palm Sunday people is that they'll show up in the crowd to celebrate Jesus. But if you dig very deep at all, what you find is that they're looking for Jesus to give them everything the world has to offer. Here's the problem. Jesus never says he's going to give you everything the world has to offer. In fact, he says, following me is going to cost you everything that the world has to offer. And so Palm Sunday people are regularly let down. Palm Sunday people are regularly disappointed in their faith. Palm Sunday people show up in the excitement and they disappear when it gets hard because Jesus didn't meet my expectations. Because for, Palm, for, every, for every Palm Sunday person that exists, you're always going to walk through a Good Friday. For every Palm Sunday person that exists, you're always going to find yourself walking through a Good Friday, walking through what, what the psalmist said is the valley of the shadow of death. You're going to find yourself in a rough spot and go, wait, this isn't what I bargained for. You know, there's a, there's a story that Jesus tell, told way before he went to the cross. And uh, we call it the parable of the sower or the parable of the seed. So Jesus says that, that the, the, the word of God was spread out in this field like seed in a field. That some of the seed, some of the word of God, it lands on the path. And it's so hard and rocky that, that the birds come and eat it. So that's, that's the person who is completely cold to Jesus. That's not what we're talking about here. He says, then, there was, then there was all this other soil. And it all looked the same and he threw this seed out and, and the, the soil received the seed. But there were some differences that you couldn't quite see on the surface. You see, some of the soil was rocky underneath. There was a little bit of topsoil, but then it didn't go very deep. And what happened is that, that seed took and, and a plant began to grow, but it didn't, have enough, it didn't have enough room for the roots to go down. And so it just dried up when the sun came out. And then there's other seed that it did go down, but there was all these other like thorns and weeds around it. And so as the, it began to grow, like the thorns and the weeds began to choke it out. And then there was this other soil that was good and it grew and it produced a crop. What Jesus was saying is, hey, these are, these are Palm Sunday kind of people. And, and, and we want to be like, oh, I can categorize who's that and who's not because here's Palm Sunday. But he's not looking at this week. He's looking at our lives. And, and among us, there's inevitably, because this is just how Jesus said the word of God goes out, there's, there's, there's Palm Sunday people. There's people who get excited, who receive the word of God. This is great, but if you dig below the surface, what you're going to find is some rocks and some thorns are going to choke it all out. What you're going to find is that their receiving the word was based on expectations for God to do for me what I expected him to do for me. Make life easier. Here's the funny thing. Like, 
we can we, we consistently run into people, and, and let's just be honest, we all at times get sucked into that trap a little bit, don't we? Thinking that Jesus is going to make my life better, but it's so funny. Like right before he goes to the cross, he said this, in this world, you will have trials and tribulations. Like I got love when we talk about, I'm standing on the promises of Jesus. Here's a promise to stand on. In this world, you have troubles and tribulations. Amen. But he says, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. You know, I don't know about you, but I want something real. And I feel like even in this, in this world where we've, we, we've, we've, we've accepted the fact that like living numb through life is just like kind of a normal thing or, or constantly going from disappointment to disappointment to disappointment, and that's just life and that's just my lot. Or we've, we've seen that as normal. And th- th- I also have seen this growing dissatisfaction with that very life. I've also seen like a, a desire and a hunger for something that can sustain me when it gets hard. What I'm seeing in society, what I'm seeing in culture is that the, 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 this like, I'm gonna just put on my best self and, and, and then just the dip. And then now I'm gonna pull myself back up on my bootstraps and then the dip. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it all together for Sunday morning. Then I'm gonna, People are getting tired. Are you getting tired of it? We long for something real. There's a sign in our lobby right now. It says, authentic faith, genuine community. We may not do it perfectly all the time, but that's our aim. Because we want something real. Let me read you something that somebody wrote this week. Again, the the question was like, like, write down, something in your life that you've seen Christ do for you. And here was one of the, one, one response I got was this, that I used to hate just about everyone. And I didn't want anything to do with being religious. I hated fakes. But God showed me he loved me even while I rejected his care for me. And now he's given me love for others without wanting anything in return. He's shown me how to never be fake, but to be truthful and to admit when I need help. He has also shown me that he loves me always, unconditionally. God is always sticking with me. I love that. I love that. Anybody else tired of, not just of fakes? That's an easy one to do because we can point it at somebody else. But anybody else tired of just like, I feel like I'm being fake. I feel like I have to pretend. I feel like I I have to like wave my palm branch. But inside, I know I need more. It's time to move beyond being a Palm Sunday person into something that's real. So there's this other type of person. This Holy Saturday people. Now, Holy Saturday isn't necessarily a term that we use a whole lot necessarily in our, the, the traditions that we run in. But Holy Saturday, that, that day between Good Friday where Christ died and Easter where he rose again. Now, Holy Saturday people, they, they, they're still there, right? They remember the cross and, and they're still there, but they're really confused sometimes. Now, now, Palm Sunday people get offended by the cross. Palm Sunday people don't really understand the cross Holy Saturday people do understand that the cross was for me. 
Holy Saturday people understand the, the, the richness and the depth of the cross. The, the, the cross, that Jesus going to the cross was not just some uh, unnecessary grand gesture, but rather it was because I chose to live for myself instead of for him. Because Jesus spent his life teaching on the kingdom of God as opposed to the kingdom of the world, and yet I still constantly get sucked into acting like I'm in the kingdom of the world. In other words, I'm a traitor. That small little sin that I committed, I can just write it off and be like, that doesn't deserve crucifixion. That doesn't deserve death. But when we reframe it, like we talked about on Good Friday, when we reframe it and realize it's not just a little sin, it's treason to the kingdom of God. When Jesus went to the cross, he died a traitor's death for me. We talk about God's love and God's grace and his mercy, but his mercy isn't summed up in the fact that he ignores my sin. God doesn't ignore sin because he is fully love and mercy and grace, but he is also holy and perfect and just. Guys, a just God cannot look the other way in the face of sin. He would cease to be just. He would cease to be good. See, Holy Saturday people understand forgiveness is not just a grand gesture and now everything is fine because Jesus looked the other way, but rather it's that he took the punishment for my crime against the kingdom of God, my treason against the kingdom of God. It's not that he looked the other way, it's that he paid the penalty that I incurred. See, Holy Saturday people understand the cross. They understand that the cross is a symbol of God's love. They understand that it's a cross of the symbol of, of God's calling. He says, come and, and walk with me in this. You know, I, uh, for those of you who have been following along in our, in our uh, Holy Week Bible, uh, or devotional Bible study that we've been doing this week, there's a prayer in there yesterday that just really got me, and I've been thinking about it ever since. It's this, it's this prayer of Holy Saturday. It says this, Lord, I live so much of my life on Holy Saturday, somewhere between the cross and the resurrection. I can't deny what you've done for me, but I'm, I'm waiting for so much more. I know that you're the answer, but I still have so many questions. I'm deeply aware of the work you've begun in my life, but I'm impatient for its completion. Today, I surrender to your apparent slowness. In the absence of easy answers and instant miracles, teach me to wait with those faithful women who attended to your body, to trust when everything seems hopeless, and to pray. Amen. Anybody identify with that a little bit? It's the, I understand the cross. I understand his forgiveness. I understand the loss. And there's this, there's this thing inside of me that just goes like, but I know there's more. See, while Palm Sunday people are, are cheering for a better life, Holy Saturday people understand forgiveness and are longing for more. That, that, that place 
of waiting, that place of, of getting the cross. And I see what he did and I'm, I'm broken by that gesture, but there's this sense that there's more, that I'm missing something. You know, guys, regardless of where we are in life, I, I think there's always seasons of Saturday that we endure, isn't there? Seasons, I mean, even when everything is, is good, and, 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 but then it seems like, man, we go through this season where we walk through this, this holy Saturday kind of season, this valley of shadow of death kind of season. But can I, can I tell you, maybe some of you are there right now. Can I tell you something? It's always a season. See, Saturday was one day. It wasn't a week. It wasn't a month. Jesus wasn't dead for a year, for 10 years. He was dead for a day. But Saturday ended when Sunday showed up. And then we see this, this risen Jesus. Here's, here's something that just dawned on me this week. Jesus rose Sunday morning, right? He did, if you weren't sure. He did, yeah. He. <laughs> Jesus rose on Sunday morning. But the disciples, his followers, the majority of them at least, didn't experience the joy of a resurrected Savior until Sunday evening. In other words, they lived the majority of the first Easter as if their king was still in the grave. Isn't that interesting? Now, they had rumors. They had rumors of life. There was, there was, there was this talk that, like, he's gone that, that maybe, just maybe, there, there might be this resurrection. And friends, it just, it just hit me this week. Man, there are, there are Christians. There are churchgoers. There are spiritual people. There are followers of Jesus. There are some of us who we, we live our Christian life, uh, a Sunday existence as if it was still Saturday. We, we live with a risen Savior, but still living in the realities of a crucified Christ. He's alive, but we're not walking in it. And that's sad to me. Can you be saved in that state? I believe you can. It is the crucifixion. It is, is Christ taking our punishment for our sin that we find salvation in him. Do we find that forgiveness that comes, or that freedom that comes from this forgiveness? But I'm just reminded that there's so much more. There was another couple of, of writings of stories of some people sharing just kind of their experience with Christ. That a couple of them that touched on these two topics, freedom and forgiveness. I want to read a couple of them to you here. One person says, before Christ, I made choices that brought me temporary pleasure, but long-term guilt and shame that was always simmering underneath the surface and hiding behind the good things I was known for by others. The accomplishments I achieved were, were marked by comparison to others, a desire to earn my father's love, a sense of never being good enough. But now that Jesus saved me and I've grown in Christ, I've, I've understood more and more the freedom from sin's power and guilt and shame in my life. That freedom is only found in Jesus' forgiveness. And I've grown more and more secure in my identity as God's child who doesn't need to compare myself to others 
or long for people's approval or earn God's approval. Living from God's gift of grace enables me to live more for him and less for me. And that is, in fact, the most fulfilling life I could enjoy. Not out of fear in any way, but out of abundance. And now, because he lives in me, the abilities he's given me can be used to their fullest. Somebody else writes it this way. Jesus means love, forgiveness, and freedom to me. Because of his love and sacrifice for me, he forgave me of my sins, which were great and many, and he brought me freedom. Freedom from condemnation, freedom from self-loathing thoughts, and, and freedom to live loved. Knowing that I am his has given me worth because God changed my life. I can love others where they are, just as he loved me, where I was, living in darkness and bringing me, then bringing me into the light of his love. I've known, I, I've now become free to love others as he leads me to them. There is forgiveness that is offered to us through the cross. And that forgiveness brings freedom. Freedom from the guilt, freedom from the shame, freedom from the trying to impress, freedom from living for other people. So often we think of freedom as being able to do what we would want when we want. But when we live that way, we're, all, we're rarely free to actually live the life that we really desire free from that guilt and shame. You see, Holy Saturday people, they understand that fr freedom. But you know what? I believe there's still even more than that. I want to talk about some Easter people. The third group of people are Easter people. You see, there's a story in the Bible where, where Jesus or some friends bring this, this crippled man to Jesus. And, uh, and Jesus, and he's teaching, and there's all these people around, and this, this crippled man is there. He can't walk. And Jesus looks down, and he says to the man something really odd, right? He's crippled. We all know what he wants. And he says to the man, your sins are forgiven. And that ticks off the religious people, because who the heck do you think you are? Like, that's blasphemy. You can't forgive sins, right? And so, so they're like, they're not saying it out loud. They're just thinking in their hearts. They're thinking in their minds. What in the world? They're looking at each other like, you can't just forgive his sins. And then Jesus says this. I love this. Jesus, knowing what they're thinking, he says, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? That is an interesting question, isn't it? To say your sins are forgiven is easy because there's no evidence of that. But only God can do it, but there's no real proof. And then he's like, or to say get up and walk. Getting up and walk seems less significant than having your sins forgiven, but at least I can see it tangibly. Which is, which is easier to say? I don't know. It seems like there are acts of God in both of them. He says, so that you know that the Son of Man, so you know that I, Jesus, so that you know that I have the authority to forgive sins. Hey, bud, why don't you get up? And this crippled man just stands up. I love that story. And honestly, what I see in that story is the same thing that I see in the cross and the resurrection. See, we have forgiveness that's given to us through the cross, right? Jesus on the cross says, your sins... For anyone who would receive him, your sins 
are forgiven if you just, if you receive that gift of grace? Did he have to rise from the dead in order for us to be saved? Ooh, that's a bigger theological question than I'm probably going to answer right this minute. But we'll just, we'll just suffice it to say, he did both. But, but I think there's an aspect of what he did there. Like he's in the grave. He took the punishment for our sins so that we could be made right with God. And then he says, so to speak, so that you know that the Son of Man has authority for, to forgive sins. And then he just stood up and he walked out. Friends, there's some of us who are still lying on our mats crippled and we've received forgiveness of our sins. And Jesus is telling us it's time to stand up and walk. And we're still laying there. What does that mean? Okay, that that's, preach is great, but what in the world does that mean? Let's be practical. You see, there's a difference because I think, I, I believe that Holy Saturday people have this tendency to see the Christian life through the lens of my works. Forgiveness is critical, and it it really genuinely is. But it's the main topic, because I've done wrong, I need forgiveness to be made right. But then I'm going to mess up again. Thank God for his forgiveness. And we go back and forth in this, I'm doing this. And And then what we find ourselves doing is we find ourselves working for God. All my good deeds are for God and not to earn a salvation. I know I have that in, I know I have that, but I'm going to do this stuff for him. I'm going to do this for him. I'm going to do that for him. And I, I, I appreciate the forgiveness. And Jesus is like, stand up. I want to not just do, I don't want you to do something for me. I want you to do something with me, but you got to get up and walk. You see, when Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave, he didn't just rose, rise from the grave and then go straight to heaven. Why? Because he wanted to be with his people. Friends, there is a shift that has to take place in our minds. God doesn't need you to work for him. But he invites you to live with him. The difference between Holy Saturday people and Easter people is that Holy Saturday people get stuck in this trap of doing and I view my life from the perspective of what I do and I know I'm going to mess up and I thank God for his grace and I I love the cross and that's fantastic and I'm a martyr for Jesus because I'm going to keep on doing things for him but Easter people live every morning from the newness and the freshness and the mercies of God and we respond to his invitation hey get up it's time to do this day with me. We live from the perspective that says, man, I want to not just do things for you and you do things for me. Let's, let's live with this life together. You know, there's, there's a couple other things. There was another theme that came out in a lot of people's writings, and that's this theme of peace. This theme of peace. Easter people understand the peace of God. You see, Holy Saturday people, though they understand forgiveness, there's often that angst. But when we begin to live life with a risen Jesus, not just for a crucified Jesus, there is something that changes the very countenance of my soul. Let me read a couple of people's responses. And I love this because it's just genuine. One person writes, adulthood and parenting have proven to have more ups and downs, 
more choices to make, more mistakes and missteps than I could have ever imagined. Anybody feel that one? And while I don't understand everything God does in my life, and sometimes I get confused or angry, but I never, never was in all caps, I never doubt his presence or goodness. His peace and his love surround me and his words fill my heart and soul as a reminder of who he is and his promise to me. See, there's a difference between understanding that my misdeeds are forgiven and that I am perpetually loved by a holy risen Savior who wants to be with me all day. Here's another one. My life is different with Jesus because in a world with circumstances where everything is unknown and changing, he is peace. He allows me to breathe. He gives me peace when I I don't understand what to do or life is just too hectic. At any point in my life, he is someone I can talk to and feel when he's listening without being judged. Listen, Palm Sunday people, Palm Sunday people cheer for a better life, right? But when it gets hard, they tend to disappear because I didn't get the life I expected. Palm Sunday people are regularly filled with unmet expectations in their spiritual journey. Holy Saturday people, Holy Saturday people understand the cross. They tend to constantly long for more. Holy Saturday people understand that I'm forgiven, but live from this place of like constantly trying to repay a debt that they're never going to get to repay. They never feel like they've done enough in order to be able to deserve the life that they've been given. They don't understand that they never will. Easter people, friends, Easter people understand that Easter means that I get to live with a living God. Easter people understand that I can't do enough to earn my salvation, and it's time to stop trying. To Easter people, they don't have to pretend. They don't have to be fake. Easter people can live with the reality that I'm still imperfect. And God isn't pushing me away for that. He's he's actually bringing me closer. That if I acknowledge that I just need him, his mercies are new every day if I'll receive them. Easter people live with a living God. So which one are you? Our God is fully alive. Are you? Are you living or coasting? You know, I started out by talking about community and relationship and how oftentimes we feel like we're not really living because we've cut ourselves off from relationship, not intentionally, but it just kind of happened. More now than maybe ever 
ever. I don't know what happened, but I looked around. I don't have any friends anymore. I don't know what happened, but I looked around and, and, I, and I find myself isolated. Here's the thing. The same thing that the reason that we feel that, that lifelessness because of isolation is because God created us for relationship with one another. But first and foremost, with him. We need both if we're going to make it. You want something real? You want something that's not fake, that's not just concocted? You want something that's more than just religious rhetoric or cliche? Begin to live in community with your maker and with his people. And watch that life just breathe back into you. We've got to make the decision. Do you want it? He died for you. He rose for you. But are we going to get up off our mat and walk with him? Or are we just going to be the, the Christian just sits back and thank you, Jesus, that you forgave me. Someday you're going to come back for me. Until then, it will be pure misery. He designed you to be fully alive. And he invites you into something that is real. He didn't stay in the grave. He rose. He became fully alive and said, hey, come follow me. And I think you'll find what you're looking for. Let's pray. Father, you are an amazing, gracious, holy God. And at the same time, you're a dear, close friend who's invited me into deeper levels of relationship with you. God, would you help me to just wake up out of my selfish living? God, would you help us be willing to take that, that step towards you? Lord, your word says that God draws near to those who draw near to him. God, give us something real, relationship that we're longing for. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.